All right, let's do this because we've had an amazing Sunday so far. How many people have just been blessed by all the things happening so far today? Weren't those, weren't those baptisms amazing? Like, and so I'm not going to do a full sermon because I feel like you already got three sermons. And they're all like so powerful and, and each in their own way and so on point. But I do want to take, give me 15. I want to take 15 minutes to just share. I think I'll be able to really capture the heart of what God put on my heart today. Uh, just to share with you guys and to talk with you guys about. So let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for this day that you've made. God, we rejoice. We're glad in it. Father, we thank you so much for all that you're doing, God. Thank you for all that you've been doing today. Thank you for Pierrick, for Cassandra, for Alexis, God, and just the way they shared from their hearts today and took this amazing step of being baptized. God, even just, I mean, there was just so much life beyond those prophetic words that were given. Even Pastor Sharon just preaching and encouraging right now about what God's doing in creatives. And so I just pray today you give me, in these few moments, I'll be able to just encourage us regarding our hearts before you. And so, Lord, we, we love you so much, and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everyone agreed, said. I want to take a few moments this afternoon. Again, I won't take much more of your time, but I want to talk to you about your heart. And I want to talk to us about our heart before God. We're currently in this season of prayer and fasting. If maybe you were kind of coming in late, and you're we're doing something called Altar 2024. 21 days of prayer and fasting. So we're seven days in. So all you guys have been part of this one. We are in. We're seven days in. We're tr trusting God for grace. Continue to push forward whatever type of fast we're doing, whatever ways we're engaging or connecting. But one of the things about this season that's so powerful and so important is it's such a, it's such a key time for God to work in our hearts. It's such a key time to allow and to open ourselves up for God to do a deep work in our hearts. And so I had today in my heart to just encourage us, and I felt from the Lord to encourage us in allowing God to work in our hearts. I want you to go with me to Matthew 22, 37 to 40. And we're just going to look at a few verses here. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now I want to start here because, again, we'll move through some of these scriptures quite quickly. There's so much more that could be talked about and broken down from them. But this, this last part, the, all these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. In other words, Jesus is telling us this is very central. Really, this whole uh, sharing that he was doing was sparked by someone asking, what's the greatest commandment? What's the most important thing? If I could say this, if there's one thing I need to remember as a faithful follower of Jesus, what's the one thing I should remember above all else? And Jesus said, this is what you remember. Love the Lord your God with anyone on to say. But I wanted to see, because right at the start, this is the core central commandment. This is the core thing that he said to us. And then right at the first part of it, he's saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Everybody say, with all your heart. This is very core to our faith as Christians to faithfully follow in Jesus and we see it starts with the heart. If you go over me, Matthew 5 verse 8, and this is in the Beatitudes, the longest recorded sermon we have from Jesus where he lays out what does faithfully following him look like. He lays out the, the core values, the lifestyle of the kingdom of God in so many ways. And right in the beginning, one of the things he says is he said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. 
For they're going to see God. So, so this element of our heart is, is so key and so important. It's at the center of the great commandment. It's, it's right here at the beginning of, of Jesus' message on living for God and, and following Jesus that we need to be pure in heart. So I want to talk to us for a few moments today about our hearts before God. And I want you to consider where is your heart today before God? To properly consider this, we, we do have to talk about what is our heart. When the Bible says our heart, what does it mean? What is it talking about? Because we know very quickly it's not talking about the organ that's pumping in your chest. Even though that does carry some symbolism in what we're speaking about. I love this definition. It says in the Bible, the heart is considered the seat of life or strength. Hence it means mind, soul, spirit, or one's entire emotional nature and understanding. You know, if we look at different ways we will use that word, you might say to someone, you know, look, there's the heart of a tree. What are you talking about when you talk about the heart of a tree? You're talking about the very center, the core of that tree. That which everything else surrounds. We could also talk about, let's get to the heart of the matter. What are we talking about when we say that? We're saying, let's get beyond all the peripheral, let's get right to the central issue. Let's get right into the core of what's going on here once again. And so we see this picture, there's so many different ways. It is quite a broad concept, but the heart, in essence, is the real you. It's your spirit man, your spirit woman that's alive before God and connected to God. It's also your soul and your mind, will, emotions. Really, it's the inner you, what's really going on. So it's this outward that we present, but how many know that can be very different than what's going on on the inside? That can be very different than the real us, and that is the matter of our heart. The heart is about what's happening inside as opposed to what we're presenting outside. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says this. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Everybody say the Lord looks on the heart. I love this. This is you know, a very well-known scripture. This is a very well-known scripture. I'm sure many of us are very familiar with scripture. Scripture, but I want us to look at it today again with a fresh heart, with fresh eyes. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, even we're coming here today, it, it didn't say the outward appearance is bad. It didn't say we shouldn't care about the outward appearance. You know, you've all come in here today and you've worked on your outward appearance. Each one of us have dressed and put ourselves together with our own unique style, with our own unique way of doing things, but we see each other in the outward appearance, but the Bible says God's looking at our hearts. So we're here today in worship, we're here today celebrating people being baptized, we're here today hearing the word. We can see one another, and we see the outward appearance, but God's looking at the heart. So the question I have is, when God's looking at our hearts today, what does he see? What does he see when he looks at our hearts. And what are some potential things that we need? Because here's, what I mean, in this season, and especially seasons in fasting and prayer, it's an incredible time for God to work in our hearts. It's actually one of the most important fruit of these types of times is where we fast, when we lay some things down, when we take extra time for prayer, when we come together and gather on a Sunday night, wake up extra early on a Wednesday morning and get here, come late on a Friday, all these different things that we're doing, it's really all centering back to, Lord, I'm opening my heart. I want you to work in my heart. 
And I believe that this season, God is looking for those who allow him to do a work in their heart. It's not just about the outward actions. It's not just about doing all the right things, saying amen at the right time, raising our hands in the right moment, looking spiritual. God says, no, I'm going deeper. I'm going to your heart. Many of you will remember that well-known song. It's a little older now. Just saying that makes me feel old, but it is a little older. From Matt Redmond, The Heart of Worship. And, and, it, and part of it goes, I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within than the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. And I believe this is a season where for each one of us who's open to it, God's saying, I'm looking into your heart. Will you allow me to talk to you about your heart? Will you allow me to bring healing to your heart? Will you allow me to bring change and transformation in your heart? Somebody say, looking into your heart. And I believe it's a season that we need to allow the Lord to cause us to look into our hearts. I want to go to Acts chapter 8, verse 4 to 24. But before we go there, Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, that's a pretty crazy scripture in one regard. And we know that's in the Old Testament. And the gospel is what transforms our hearts. Jesus coming, he changes us. So even though our hearts were desperately sick, even though our hearts were deceitful, Jesus came and he transformed us. That's why you don't just need behavior modification, but you need an encounter with Jesus. You need the Savior in your life to transform your heart. But in the middle of that, it's still important to understand that our hearts can still be very tricky. So when I say let's look into our hearts, the first for many of us, we go, yeah, okay, I'm good. I'm good, but we need to understand there's so many things in our heart that we cannot see just on our own, but the Lord has to show us. There's so many things in our heart that we're not even going to understand unless the Lord brings us into the right season or the right circumstance. And all of a sudden we go, whoa, I didn't know that was there. Wow, why did I respond that way? Why did when that pressure hit me, that came out of my mouth? Why is these emotions suddenly, we don't even know what's in our hearts so many times, but there's this element of letting God work in our hearts. And family, can I encourage you? There's so much that God wants to do in 2024 out here around us, but he does not just want to do out, out work out there. He wants to first do work in here. Because one of the quickest ways to burn out spiritually, blowing yourself up, just everything falling apart, is to have God bless you out here, but never allow God to work in here. But we want to let him look into our hearts. Acts 8, 424, let's just read this for a bit, and I'm just going to share a few things from it. It says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many of them, who many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was so much joy in the city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, just like we had today. And even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs of great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now let me just say this quickly. It's very interesting about Simon who performed great works. 
But I want you to see a couple things here. So this guy was a local celebrity. He was probably well-known, rich, famous. He was, he was one, of the, 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 you know, one of the people to know in Samaria. But, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, Simon the sorcerer, you know, I said about it. He was a sorcerer. He actually became a Christian. He was not standing back in this passage when what we're about to read as someone who was on the outside. He actually had come to follow Jesus himself. But let's read on here. It says, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them. And they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also so that anyone whom I may lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. But I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing you've said may come upon me. Now, there'd be so much to unpack here, but really quickly, I want to pull from this passage some things that I would encourage us this week to allow the Lord to check our hearts regarding. Some things to look inward, to say, Okay, Lord, Talk about show. First, I, I believe God wants to talk to us about our motivations. Really, in this essence, again, sometimes we portray this passage as Simon is a sorcerer trying to offer money so that he can now walk in the power of God. But actually, he was a sorcerer, it said. It didn't say he, he it said he, he previously was because he'd become a believer. And, 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 and we really get caught up, oh, he offered money, how terrible. That actually was pretty common in that time. That was the way you got power was you offered gifts. So he was just doing what he knew to do. He was doing what he knew to do. But Peter saw through it and he called out his heart motivation. Guys, this is where it goes. When we we do what we do, we do the right things for the wrong reasons. Can we ask God in this season to show us, Lord, where am I doing the right things but for the wrong reasons? What are my motivations you know, when we first start following Jesus, you know, God starts working in our life. And he starts with kind of, I'll say, the low-hanging fruit. He starts with a lot of the outward stuff. You know, maybe you change the way you dress. You change the way, you know, you speak. Maybe you stop cussing. You know, you stop smoking. You stop going out to the club or, you know, whatever we could say. You, you, there's changes that happen in your life. And those are good things. Those are things that are important when you're following God because there's a change in our life and a transformation. But then we start to reach a point where God does that. In some ways, those things, I'm not saying they're, they're, they're easy, but it's pretty simple. You, okay, change this, stop this, do this. But then God says, okay, let's start talking about your heart now. You reach a point where God says, okay, we've done a lot of the outside work. Let's start going inside. Let's talk about your motivation. Why are you doing what you're doing? Let, let's talk about your jealousy. Let's talk about your envy. Let's talk about the fear, right? Because you can have fear and you can do a lot of Christian godly things, not out of a love for God, but out of fear. Right? Let's talk about the fact that you worship worship more than you worship me, right? Because worship's now a music style. 
and it's great music, and it's fun, and we get involved, and, and it's awesome. And I'm not against any of that. I love how we worship. But, but have we ever talked to God and said, God, what was my heart today as I worshiped? Right? What was my heart? Was my, was my heart worshiping him? Was my heart getting caught up in the, in the vibe? And see, it's, it's not even like, I'm not trying to just hammer at one thing. It's, it's this place of where God, God, work on my motivations. What are my motivations? Am I doing the right things for the wrong reasons? And sometimes, guys, because the heart is tricky, you don't even realize it until God shows it to you. And you think you're good. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Then God says, no, no, you're doing it for this reason. You go, oh, yeah, you're right, Lord. But God wants to work in our hearts. The second thing that I believe God wants to work in and talk to us about is money. We see money is all wrapped up in this. Simon was wealthy. You, know, you just read into the passage, he was wealthy because of the power he had. He now became a Christian. But there was still this thing attracting. It's so interesting because so often Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. And a big indicator of our heart is what's going on with our money. Are we obeying God in the tithe? Are we giving generously in offerings? Right? Can I just humbly suggest something? If me even standing here in a pulpit and bringing up money and you kind of go, and you kind of tense up, look at that. Because it's in the Bible. It's, it's talking about it. Why would we not want to give generously to God's work and to God's kingdom? I don't know, maybe we had some bad experiences before, but, but God says, look at your heart. Something that's really uh, stood with me. It's just a phrase I heard several months ago. It's really stuck with me. The guy said, the older I get, the less I listen to what people say and the more I just watch what they do. Now, I'm not taking away the power of our words. We know there's power of life and death in our tongue and we want to say the right things. But, but your heart your heart is so often connected. I mean, out of the abundance, the heart, the mouth will speak. But where your heart's through that, you're, you're going to do it. We were laughing about it recently with one of our friends. We were talking with her husband herself. And, and we were saying, you know, just something about going with her. And he said, yeah, it goes with my wife. He goes, when she really wants to do something, she does it. And if she doesn't want to do it, she doesn't do it. But aren't we all like that in so many ways? But sometimes we say we want to do something. Another thing that I think God would want to look in our hearts is using God for our own purposes. What do I mean by this? Simon wanted the power of the Holy Spirit for the wrong reasons. His motivations were off, and he wanted it. I think probably he missed being the center of the attention. He was used to being the guy at the center where everyone's all around, and he was missing that. And so often our heart motivation, are we using God? Are we serving God? Are we loving God? Are we, giving, are we trying to use God to get what we want? Right? We talk about our, our, our money and our giving. Why, why, why are we giving? So many people, it's so easy. There's such a fine line between really serving God or trying to use God to get what we want. And because the heart, you don't even see it. You think you're good, thank you, Lord. And it's just all there in your heart until we open up our heart and say, God, do a work in my heart. Again, I'll really try and pick up the pace here. Sin, wickedness, and iniquity. Pastor Sharon already spoke very well to this in the interim time. And obviously there was some prophetic ministry that happened around. But guys, God's looking in our heart. You can't, when there's sin in our heart, it, it just does so much damage. 
It does so many, and it's interesting, the word iniquity, iniquity is actually defined as being corrupted or immoral in nature or character. It's not primarily an action, but the character of an action. So when you step over in iniquity, like we all make mistakes, but then we can repent, we can confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. But when you just let sin hang out in your life, you make excuses for it. You come up with reasons why it's okay. You allow your conscience to go dead to the Holy Spirit. So you're totally fine walking around Sunday worshiping and then walking out the week and just fully participating in your sin. You've moved into the place of iniquity and God says, I want to get that out of your heart. No excuses. No talking about, you know, you're, you're lukewarm. You hang around with other people who are lukewarm. You look down on people who are really on fire for God. This, no, no, that's not normal. It's letting God work in our hearts. And then the other thing here that he said, he said, you are full of bitterness. Can we let God deal with the unforgiveness and bitterness in our heart in this season? I don't say that lightly. Because most of us, if we've got bitterness, there's some things that are just kind of ridiculous and we're just being petty with somebody. But a lot of times where we really struggle with bitterness and unforgiveness is where we've been truly wronged. Where with some of you in this room, you know, you've gone through some terrible things. And, and you feel this is impossible for me to ever forgive. It'd be impossible for me to ever let this go. But here's the problem. Bitterness and unforgiveness gets into your heart and it contaminates your heart. God doesn't tell you to forgive and let go of bitterness because that person deserves it. He tells you to forgive and let go of bitterness because it actually sets you free. Holding bitterness and unforgiveness against someone is like drinking poison and expecting it to hurt someone else that you're angry with. It damages you. But see, again, I'm not just saying because somebody's serious. Well, I, what do I do with this then, Pastor? Because I'm serious. I've got all this bitterness inside of me. It's going to him and saying, Lord, teach me to forgive. Teach me. Help me. Work in my heart. Because in my heart, there's no forgiveness right now, God. In my heart, I can't forgive in myself. But will you come and do a supernatural work in my heart and help me to forgive? So a quote from a friend, Fateen. She'd actually posted it today and said, when I forgive, I set the prisoner free, only to realize the prisoner was me. Will we, and that's why these times of fasting and praying are, and why we got, kind of sometimes take some extended time, because life is so busy and there's so much going on and there's so many things happening and we don't even have space for God to say, hey, I want to work in your heart. Can we talk about your unforgiveness? Can we talk about your anger? Can we talk about your motivations? I won't read it right now, but Mark chapter 4, 13 to 20, we read it last week as well. It talks about the parable of the sower and it talks about the different types of ground. And just some other things that I believe God would want to, will we let God work in our hearts this season? How about the hardness of heart? They talked about the path where the seed just fell and it was eaten by the birds, right? And what is path? Path is simply ground that got hard because it was never cultivated, it was just walked on. It wasn't concrete, it wasn't pavement, it was a path, it was ground that became hard. And some of us, our hearts have become so hard. And this season, God's saying, will you let me plow up the ground of your heart? Will you let me, will you deal with the, the hardness of heart? The, 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 the next ground was where there was stones and, and this, the crops sprouted up, but then they, they dissipated so quickly when, when, uh, when the heat came and the sun came. And I, I, it's so interesting because this was actually good soil, but then filled with rocks. In other words, this is a mixed heart, a divided heart. 
So yeah, but pastor, I do this and I pray and I, I do this. Yeah, but what about all this other stuff you still let in there? Right, Jesus wants all. Right, it's just like if I said to my wife at the altar, hey, I'm, I'm gonna marry you, I'm gonna be committed to you till death do us part. I just want one weekend a year. I'll tell you, Sharon Joy Nimrod at that time would have walked back down that altar. She would not, one week a year? No, this is either all or nothing. Right, That's, but how often with God do we have this mixture in our heart? Well, we let God deal with the mixture. The other ground is the thorns. It talks about the cares of the world. The deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, the cares of the world, the fears. It's interesting, sometimes we'll deal with a lot of other sin, but the sin of worry, we hold on to. Because worry will make you do many spiritual things. Right? This is where it gets kind of hardcore. You know you can pray out of fear instead of praying out of faith? You know, you can live out of fear instead of living. You can parent out of fear instead of parenting out of faith. You can actually do all kinds of great spiritual things, but you're not doing it out of faith or obedience to God. You're actually doing it out of a place of fear. And that doesn't create fruit. That actually chokes everything out. But then you say, but pastor, I'm just, I'm afraid. Some of us, we feel it would be irresponsible not to worry. You're like, well, if I don't worry, who's going to? And just let everybody just run around like everything's great. Somebody's got to worry. But Jesus said, you worry, it doesn't change one thing. When you worry, it doesn't cause any. That's what he talks so much about. So again, I'm not saying any of these things, family, for us to go, yeah, so just stop, stop worrying. Right, like, yeah, that helps. It's like someone's drowning. Well, stop drowning. Well, I'm drowning right now. I don't know what to do. Try harder, kick harder, I always remember when I was, I was a lifeguard when I was younger, lifeguard and a swim instructor. And I remember we were at the uh, McLean's Community Center in Ajax. Some might know McLean's. And they got this big slide. So one of the things you have to do is you have to make sure kids are tall enough and they have to pass the swim test before they go on the slide. Because, you know, these kids think they're good. These little, you know, kids, sometimes bigger kids, they come off the slide. You realize they can't swim. We got a problem. So one of his kids slipped all our stuff. He comes down the slide, slides off the edge. I'm watching from the far side of the pool. And he's coming off the slide. And you can see right away, this kid's in trouble. I mean, he's just like this. So I'm watching. I look up to Steve, who was one of the older lifeguards. He was there long before me. And Steve didn't want to get in the pool. So Steve leaned over and went, kick, kick. Now what Steve knew was, yeah, Steve would have got fired if the supervisor saw this. But... The water, if you just, it'll push you to the edge. You just got to keep your head above long enough. It really wasn't that far. So he knew himself, the kid's going to make it. He just needs a little encouragement. He just didn't want to get in the pool and fill out the paperwork. But sometimes we think with these things, that's the way we approach it. Come on, just kick, try harder. No, actually the goal is God work in my heart. God, I got fear, work in my heart. God, I've got anger, Work in my heart. God, I've got bitterness. Work in my heart. It's actually going to him. God is not up there in heaven going, kick, kick, kick. Come on, what's wrong? Worship harder. Give more. Come on, I don't want to get off my throne right now. No, God will jump into the pool with you if you let him. And he will say, come on, I'll help you overcome your fear. Come on, I'll help you overcome this difficulty right now. But you can't. he can't help you with something you won't admit is there. Or I can't help you with something you don't even know is in your heart. 
Somebody say, looking into my heart. What does God want to do in your heart in this season? Proverbs 4.23 says this, and Jerry wants to come back, we'll land this plane. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Um, I love, I grew up in King James, New King James, it says, guard your heart. But catch this, doesn't this hit in a new way now in light of what we've just been talking about? Guard your heart. One translation says this, guard your heart with all diligence for it affects everything you do. So how do we guard our heart? How do we keep our heart? And I'll just say this to close. I I love lists. I love four steps. I'm a very practical guy. But I felt like today, there's no one size fits all solution for this besides doing what David did in Psalm 51 verse 10 where he prayed and he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What is God calling us to do during this time of heart work? What is God calling us to do during this 21 days and all the other things that he's doing? I believe it's just this, it's to pray this simple prayer every day that just says, God created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me, and then listen, like he's actually going to do a work. And you know, some of us might pray, God, create a clean heart in me and renew a right spirit. And God say, you know what, can I just fill you with my love today? Because my love brings healing to your heart and I can just see the wounding that's in you today. But then someone else might pray the same prayer, God, create a clean heart in me, renew a right spirit. And God says, awesome, I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about the way you're treating your wife. Let's talk about how you're treating your husband. You go, well, no, Lord, I, I, not that. I just want to create a clean heart. You get someone else, God, create a clean heart, renew a right spirit. And God says, let's talk about your worry. Why are you worried so much? I've got you. Look, I took care of you here. I took care of you here. I took care of you there. See, see how when we just pray this and our hearts are open, then we allow God to begin to work in our hearts. It's one of the reasons we have these times of gathering together. I want to encourage you, come back tonight. Get here during the week when we're doing it because it's times where we're before God, but it's times where we can listen and where God can work in our hearts. Somebody say, you're looking into my heart. One last thought I'll say, if we go back to the Beatitudes, I don't have a reference here right now, but when Jesus started preaching the about following, following him, about the kingdom. The first thing he said was, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus here is not talking about poverty. He's not talking about being poor. He's not talking about that. He's talking about a spiritual condition where we always recognize our need for God. He's talking about when, when, when we think we got it without God, we become self-righteous. When we think we got it, we think we can handle it, we think we can take care of it, we no longer depend on him. To be poor in spirit is someone who every day recognizes, God, I need you today. I need your love today. I need your power today. God, I need you to work in my heart today. I need you to transform me. I need you to change me. And I want to encourage you in that because sometimes we can hear these messages. I know I would always hear these messages. I'm like, okay, I got to do this. I got to be better at this. I got to be better at that. I'm not preaching today to get you to be better at something. I'm preaching today to get you to 
run harder towards someone and to spend more time with someone who can come into your life and transform you. Family, it is not about behavior modification as it is about the internal transformation of the Holy Spirit. And that happens when we open up our hearts and we say, God, create a clean heart in me and renew a right spirit. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this church family who when I said I'll take 15 minutes, I took longer, they still sat here. Father, I thank you for just all that you are doing in these 21 days. And God, just really simply, as we come to the close today, God, we pray this prayer. Create a clean heart in us. Renew a right spirit, God. Do this work in us, God, even as we continue to fast, as we continue to pray, as we continue to gather, as we continue to spend time in the Word, God, your Word changes our hearts. But Lord, do this work in our hearts.